This is the Pfeffer on Power podcast. I am your host, Stanford professor, Jeffrey Pfeffer, where every other week we have on this program someone that I'm going to talk to about how they achieve power and therefore how you can achieve power, what the lessons are you can learn from them and how to accelerate your career. And today I am thrilled and honored and excited to welcome to the show Michael Gruen. Michael, I met through a student in my class named Logan. Logan said, you need to know Michael. I talked to Michael. I said, oh my God, I need to write a case on you. I need to get you on the podcast. There's an article in Forbes that describes Michael Gruen perfectly. It says, Michael Gruen is one of those guys who knows everybody. Michael and I had a wonderful discussion in which we talked about why power is more important than money and talked about his amazing career growing up and becoming one of the major influencers on the internet. So welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you for spending some time with me. No, thank you, Professor. It's an honor to be here. So for those of you who don't know you, which must be only about three or four people in the world, describe a little about your career trajectory, how you started a business when you were very young and kind of your career to this date, what you've done and kind of how you've gotten to where you are with so much influence on the internet. I think if you look at my career, there's one word to describe it and it's ADHD. I'm a little over the place. I do a lot of things and you know, I kind of view myself as a mini hedge fund in the sense that I'm all about diversifying what I've done and the experiences I've had and how I go about it. I've done everything from founded a stable coin called Frax, which fortunately depegged during the SVB stuff, but used to have a $3.3 billion market cap every, to creating the Sway House, um, a production company with Mark Wahlberg. We have an overall deal with Amazon, which essentially means we exclusively produce unscripted content for Amazon. They pay us a, quite a pretty penny there. And we've done a lot of the different things in Hollywood, and it, it's been a fun ride. Really, really fun ride. Honestly, one of dreams. What's your educational background? Before we started the show, you were talking about college. Peter Thiel says paid people not to go to college, etc. Did you go to college? I did. I actually went when I was 14 to a local college. So I graduated when I was 18. And... What got you started in the world of becoming this amazing social influence maven that you are? You know, it's interesting. Like I started college when I was 14, so I never was jaded by the system. I never felt a lot of the things people feel. And I was, honestly, I was a troll. I used to just like not go to class and like kind of jerk. Do, like, I was working at the time. So class was like optional and I didn't really care. So I never got like, I was like educated, but like not. So it kind of shaped my view on things. I've always viewed things in a reverse kind of engineering way. I don't believe anything as it's stated in front of me. I really, really try to analyze it from an, as much as an impartial view as I can. And it kind of got me realizing that money is actually a man-made construct by people in power. Thus, there's always going to be a step further that's more powerful and more valuable. And money saved is money earned. Like whether you get a jet for free or you pay for it, it's still a jet. At the end of the day, it's easier to get things off of power than it is to get off of money, surprisingly. And I kind of realized that really early and was always just trying to provide value and be somewhere where I as close to the proximity to that as I could be. Okay. And when we've talked before, you talked about getting into basketball games and not having to pay at restaurants and not having to pay for hotel rooms. Explain for the people who don't really understand exactly how the link between power and money works, how you're able to get all these things for free. 
honestly, I don't know the one-to-one of how I got it for free. I was just always in the mix. I made sure that my name was always in the mix and that everyone remembered it, whether they hated it or loved it. And I realized very early that no matter what, if they remember your name, you won most of the time. It doesn't matter if they hate it or love it because a polarizing response is a response. You know, it's like the famous Harvey Specter line from Suits. It's okay if they hate you, just make sure they spell your name right. Yeah, that's a great thing. So why would someone offer you a hotel room for free or a meal for free or sports tickets for free? What causes them to do that? Because first of all, at that age, people just respect the fact that you're hustling, right? And you have an unfair competitive advantage at 14 because no one else is doing it, right? You're a scarce asset. So you appeal to people's humanity. Everything in business and in the world really is psychology. I've always said marketing is a form of manipulation. It is a form of convincing you to get something you might not want. It is essential that we really start to realize that business is psychology. It's all one big study. And just you appeal to people. For the best of humanity and the worst of humanity, I always find what they want. And I've figured out early, like the billionaires, the thing you could do best is help their kids out, like getting things for their kids. Yet, could they hook it up on their own? Probably, but they don't want to, they don't want to deal with it. And they might not be thinking like that. You just help their kids out. They'll love you forever. And take a step further, I guess if we're just for trying, but if you actually succeed at doing it, they take note to that. And the effort and genuine attempt is what matters. I've never once asked for anything. It's always about how do I provide value? And if you have the right people to provide value to and you interconnect the two, you just provided value for both of them. So everything, and I don't want to say Ponzi scheme, that sounds bad, but it's like you really are creating this like network where the more it compounds, the more you're interconnecting. So my whole thing is a web where I've raised probably a billion dollars through my network for other companies. People use my network all the time. And also, I'm not precious about it. I don't play middleman. I hate when people make an intro and then they think they own that intro. It's like, once you give it, we have to let it free. And I'm not possessive over it. I I want good people to meet good people because ultimately that actually strengthens you. Okay. I think that's a very insightful. And you are also describing something that it's sometimes referred to as the flywheel effect. So that once you know a lot of people, then more people want to meet you because you, the odds are that you can connect them to other people. And so the thing just really compounds. So I want to go back and most of our listeners are not going to be nearly as hardworking or as insightful as you. How does this begin? Take us back if you can remember, which I'm sure you can. Yeah, I can remember. It's called going to Orthodox Jewish school and hating it. Good luck sitting through 14 hours of that a day. So it was a very big incentive to figure this out. And how did you begin? Before you have this huge network that can compound itself and you can provide value by connecting people, how do you begin that process? Honestly, just I would go to a Nets game, for example, and instead of going to watch the game, everyone goes after the players, right? The players, the celebrities. I realized, I said, what if I went after the CEOs? What if I just went to stadiums? I used to print out photos of every senior executive and I go around the stadium trying to find them. And no one recognizes them ever. So no one goes over to them. So there was a CEO named Brett Yormark. He was the CEO of the Brooklyn Nets. And I uh, basically harassed him over email. And eventually he's like, if you shut up, I'll take a meeting with you. I said, okay. Uh, and that was the start of it. I mean, after that, it was kind of a snowball. And this happened before. I mean, I've gotten in some really crazy rooms just by being there. The Hamilton song, the room where it happens, is very true. If you just wait, you'll end up in the room where it happens. You just got to be patient, persistent, and provide value. If you're always value-oriented, value will be given back. It, it always happens. Wow. 
almost always. Yeah, no, I think that's a good thing. It's, it's an interesting comment. And could you elaborate more on the thing that we talked about when we did the pre-interview, when you talk about power being more important than money, because, because power will get you money, money won't necessarily get you power. Is that fair or... Yeah. I mean, I think the logic is money was made by power. Money was made by government. By force of gun, money has any values. Thus, there's someone that's more powerful. So that more powerful is power, right? The essential giving of power to money is those humans that are more powerful, right? It's an obvious logical step to say if money's powerful, then the person that created the money is even more powerful or that government body, that entity, those are people. But furthermore, as someone who's rich, I, I know a lot of rich people who have no power at all. Like they're not at all taken seriously. And then I know others that I've seen in various rooms where they're just headlocking someone who's also powerful and it's like crazy to watch. I've realized over time, there are some billionaires that I just, you don't want to fuck with. You don't want to go near them in a bad way. You just kind of want to stay away because I don't want to name one of them, but I won't in mind right now and he's scary. I've been around him, he's scary. And there's others that are teddy bears. So you can really see the difference between what rich is and what power is. And someone who's powerful, someone who's influential can always get money. They inherently have a control over someone else. We forget how much of this is actually like, I don't want to say brainwash, but it really is a grasp on somebody. Power is the ultimate grasp on people. Yeah, money isn't. Yep. Okay, that's interesting. In your description of the people who are rich but not powerful and the ones who are rich and powerful, what distinguishes between the two? What do you think makes some people rich and not powerful versus rich and powerful? They're assertive and they conduct themselves in the silence. I mean, the end of the day, I never wanted to be famous or I don't call myself famous. I never wanted to even be public uh, until Sway and I wasn't, no one really knew who I was and I did that on purpose. I think if you're known, you have eyes on you. You know, imagine like a Steve Cohen before the Mets, he was able to get away. You know, that's why he kind of let things kind of slide under the rug. Can't do that anymore. And the more popular you get, it's why the SEC went after Mark Cuban publicly. It's just the more public you get, the more they want to make an example out of you, the more you become public enemy number one. If you can kind of stay away and just stay in the night, you can kind of push things under the rug. So one big thing is like, they just know what they want. Rich people that don't have power generally crave power. The rich people that really just happen naturally, those are the ones that can accumulate it because they're just usually a few steps ahead of the game and they're really thought out. Yeah. And so a lot of this comes down to, as I listen to that answer, a lot of this really comes down to ambition. Some people really want power and other people would just as soon not have it. You know, I, I would also say a lot of it has to do with the difference between egotist and a narcissist is that an egotist is really thinking of themselves as higher, whereas a narcissist is thinking of themselves really as lower and they're using that as an opportunity to boost themselves up. Most of the time, ego is healthy, even if it's a little unhealthy, a little too far, those people have power. Generally, the narcissists don't, and it's because they play their hand too much, because they're weak, because they really feel insecure and are boosting themselves up. That's an interesting thing. Let's explore that for a minute, because many people, and many even very intelligent people, many psychologists claim Donald Trump is a narcissist, and he certainly behaves like a narcissist, and many people, you know, I mean, he was the president of the United States, one of the most powerful people in the world. Yet he still had every single leak possible in his administration. He had the highest turnover ever. I work with his son. I live four minutes from his son. I'm close to the family. I would say he's not an egotist. No, I would say he's a narcissist. He let tweets bother him. That's what led to January 6th, right? Is the fact that he couldn't stop it for the greater good of his legacy. At that point, it was just so all over the place in his head. That's exactly right. The reason why January 6th could happen is because he's not an egotist. He's a narcissist. 
Yeah. And so you think egotism is healthy, narcissism is not? Well, no, no. An egotist is too far on the spectrum of egotism, right? Meaning an egotist isn't healthy, but at least it's coming from a different place, right? An egotist can give up the moment for the greater good of themselves. Narcissists can't. They're so inundated by it, they don't see the greater picture. They don't see anything. An egotist will get yelled at today and embarrassed because he knows in 10 years it'll pay off or will can take in the greater good. Like I've taken yellings in public or things that are bullshit. I mean, I, I was yelled at on a TV show by somebody I used to work with that turned out to be, I was completely right on it. And that went public. The fact was at the time for the greater good of multiple different things, I just shut my mouth and let him yell at me. And that's a good example. I would say that was more of an ego, not to say I don't have my moments of being a narcissist, but that moment specifically, I remember thinking, like, I have NDAs on a couple of things. I'm just going to shut my mouth. That is the act of egotism. I, I could have yelled it and got my last word in and then gotten sued. And I just said, for the greater good of myself and the greater good of this project, I'll take the yelling in public on TV. That's someone who's generally an egotist or has ego. Okay. That's interesting. So people must ask you all the time, if you were giving a young person advice about how, you know, so first of all, you said, which I think is right, power is more important than money because with power, you can get money. So if I said to you, give a young person or give somebody starting out in their career advice about how to become powerful, what would you tell them? Don't chase power. Just be yourself. Just, I never chased it. You chase it, it runs. It's like a girl. You chase the girl, they run. I just did me. I never thought about anyone else. I never tried to be anybody else. Even today, I am the only person I know that's like me is me. And it's not because I'm special. I just view myself in a box because if I look at other people for inspiration, I'm a copycat and it's not natural. I really just do me. And it's why like when I talk to you, I just unapologetically say what I think and believe. And I actually worked counterintuitively to remove my filter because anytime I was overthinking it, I would get uncomfortable. Now I just speak. And if it's going to hurt someone's feeling, I'm sorry, I don't mean to, but I don't believe in also like when VCs tell their, these founders like, oh yeah, we love it. And then they like, don't really care, but they're pretending. It's like, that's not respecting my time. Like respect would be telling me this sucks and like, don't do it nicely, but just say it like, Hey man, this is not very good. You know, I typically would say, take it behind the barn and shoot it. I'd rather you tell me that and have the courage to say it to my face than talk crap behind my back. I always talk about with my friends. I go, one issue I've always had with the way we view cheating in America is we don't actually give the person an opportunity to confess, to actually bring it up because it's so just looked down upon. And one thing I've always done is I said, whenever I'm doing something wrong, I don't try to justify it. I don't allow myself to justify it. I just say, I'm human. I'm making a mistake, but I'm going to do it anyway. And just acknowledging that allows me that the next time I'm still going to rethink it because I'm not going to justify it in my head the whole time. And then you just be honest. The problem is if they're honest, at least in perception, like they're just considered casted out. And that's how people end up digging down that rabbit hole of having it happen multiple times. We don't encourage people to be honest and say the truth and have an opportunity to repent. And that's a big problem with society. And it's a big negative. So, I mean, your answer is that you just being yourself, but just being yourself does not bring you the number of followers and the enormous amount of social influence you have and the enormous number of businesses that you're in and the enormous number of companies that you've created. So it's something else than just being yourself. True, but most of the time people are scared to act on because of what society told them to do. Oh, you can't get in that room. You can't email that person. You can't ask. Says who? Says who? Says who? I don't know. You say it. I say no. Everyone just confers expertise. You know, the standard methodology is, you know, send very straightforward emails, do this, do that. My emails are the most ludicrously hilarious emails you'll ever read. I mean, I email Steve Cohen. It's like dad jokes on dad jokes on dad jokes. So anyone likes them. He laughs at them. 
it's very hard to read an email you laugh at and then ignore it. Okay? Just logically, right? Like if I'm laughing my you know, butt off, I'm not going to ignore it. Everyone gets the same email. It's copy paste. Like, hello, sir. It's annoying. It's boring. No one wants to see that. My emails are like, I'll make some of them Star Wars themed. I'll do Star Trek. I just pick random like, fun things. I'll use like, my name is Gruen. So I'll use like Gru from Despicable Me and just start writing emails as Gru. Like just have fun. When I write my emails, they're fun. Like I genuinely enjoy doing it. If you're enjoying it, you're going to write a better email because you're putting your time into it. I know a pretty high level executive at Comcast Network, Comcast Universe. And when I email him, I'll use like random like references to like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and like Law and Order Done Done. Just have fun with it. And it becomes like a running screenplay. And I just enjoy it. And so my emails literally make some of the biggest executives laugh. Like that's how I got into Vol. I don't know Naval well, but I, I got to know him like a little bit because a couple of the guys in the house wanted to meet him and he didn't really answer. He ignored it completely. And then one day I found that he was in a clubhouse room talking shit. So I emailed Naval. I said, Hey man, like just, you know, I'm listening to your room. And I wrote this, like basically called him out in a really funny, nice way. And I'm like, dude, like totally hear your complaints. I get it that they're shirtless TikTokers, but they're big fans. And he emailed me like, goes, you caught me. Here's my number. Call me tomorrow. And like most people would never call him out over email. I didn't do it in like a mean way. It was funny. Just like, little gotcha. It was a fun time. I really don't treat people differently. And it's partially because I usually don't know who they are from before. So for example, I go to a restaurant called Craig's whenever I'm in LA every night. And for months straight, I was sitting next to a person. Didn't know who she was. My friend comes there about a month in and she goes, do you know who that is? I go, no. She goes, that's Kylie Jenner. I was like, cool. I, I don't know who that is, but great. I obviously now know who she is. This is years ago. And I said, that's Kylie Jenner for a month. And we used to laugh and like kind of talk, but no idea who she was. Because they can tell when you're trying to be too cool and stay cool versus like when you actually have no clue. I did that with Lizzo one time. I was like, she, she, we were both like making jokes from table to table. And then I found that it was Lizzo. I don't know. Honestly, I grew up with no television. I grew up in an Orthodox family. I know who nobody is. If I don't know them personally, I really have no clue. And that, that also played a big part of it. What I really like about your answer is that it really follows rule two of the seven rules of power, which is break the rules. One of the nice things about not knowing who somebody is or what they are is that you don't have to follow social convention because you don't have any social convention to follow because you don't know anything but, but, about but them. But I did have social convention and, to follow when I walked into the Oval Office and said, you're a nut to President Trump. But he left because no one does that. I walked into there, I walked in to see him on the second day of the, uh, of the presidency, and I'm like, you're a nutcase. And I just looked at him, he started laughing, because it was funny. People are, have senses of humor, they just want to, like, I guess I have no shame, and I honestly, like, partially don't, I don't know, I just don't value, like, if someone doesn't want to like that because they're that stuck up, then, like, I don't care. You know, if like, someone's so stuck up their own high knee that they can't laugh at a joke, then I don't need them anyway. Yep. And you also don't get in your own way. I mean, you're willing to go anywhere and say anything to anybody. Well, part of it is, you know, negotiation in life is a game of chicken. Like, I've kind of been such a nihilist that I really just don't care about losing the game of chicken. So I'll actually crash and burn. So it, it's very hard. I basically am betting against the other person being less suicidal than me, like less willing to take that hit. And I doubt it's very few people have been able to beat me at that. One of the biggest deals that I've ever closed, I walked away from for three months. And the person was shocked. But I walked away from it. I just waited until she came back. And she did. You know, Steve Cohen told me something very, very valuable. Uh, he said, there's no such thing as a winner and loser in negotiation, only winners. He said, a good negotiation is only winners. And it's something I've always taken away, which is I do things in the way that I think are best for the world and for myself and for the situation. 
So I'll walk away from something if I don't think it's a fair and equitable deal. I don't care what the ramifications are for myself. The principle for me is more important than the dollars. I never chase money, ever, which is the ironic part. People think I'm such a money-hungry guy, but it's because money is the accumulator. Like I don't care who the money goes to. I just want to accumulate it. I used to not take commissions on most of the deals I did. I, all the time, I broker deals for people. I don't take commissions. I just want to have fun with it and uh, make people money. I also really love how you talk about the principle of generosity, which is some people I think overlook in networking. I mean, one of the things that strikes me is in your discussion is that networking for you is not taking, it's about giving. It is actually Adam Grant's give and take that you want to get benefit out of it, but you also want to do things for other people. It's not even give and take, it's give and give. It really is give and give. Tillman for tea, the donor of the Houston Rockets, I never ask him anything. He'll invite me every so often to things and I'm honored to go. And part of it is, I could sell someone's product before I can sell my own because I can go to bat for it and genuinely believe something for myself. My friends that are billionaires will go like, how much have we put into this thing that I'm doing or whatever? I'll be like, I don't know, 25,000. I don't want to bother you because for myself, it's hard for me to ask. But if I believe in someone else's thing, it's like I'm giving like them, like in my opinion, my advice, I'm able to be a lot more highly convicted. It's very hard for me to be highly convicted in my own thing because I feel like I'm taking advantage of them. And, I, and the thing is, like, I genuinely care about the people around me, people that are taking interest in me. My first mentors, I credit with everything. Like Brock Pierce and you know, people have positives and negatives to say about him. I will go to bat for him every day of the week. And I will, no matter what, I, I, the other day I have an investor called me, goes, I tweeted about Brock and he goes, oh, you should delete that. Like he's not very well liked. And I'm like, if someone doesn't like him, they can go screw themselves. I don't care because that man's done a lot for me. I'm not going to go delete something because you don't like it when that person's always been there for me. That person's gone out of his way for me. And I will always have that person's back. Because giving gratitude and appreciation back is true love. I will never, ever, ever throw people's goodness in their face. And that's unfortunately happens a lot in society. And it's sad. I love the generosity and I love the reciprocity. And I also love the loyalty that comes out in that comment. You're clearly a very loyal person. And that's a fantastic, I think, quality. And as you pointed out several times, a lot of what you do, I think, works in part because almost nobody else does it today. I mean, we don't get a lot of generosity. We don't get a lot of reciprocity. We certainly don't see a lot of loyalty. Loyalty is such a rare thing. And frankly, it's the best way to gain anything because people allow you in their orbit. People allow you to see stuff and be around things. I mean, I had friends that were talking to me about some of the biggest scenarios in the world that most people would never get purviewed to. And it's because they knew that my lips were sealed and I would never, never betray them. Even people that have screwed me over, I'm still appreciative of the people that screwed me over. That's fine. I honestly feel sorry for the people that feel the need to hurt other people. And I also, more importantly, I don't judge people because I realize that I can't understand them. From my perspective, I see one vantage point. I don't know what they see. For example, a murderer, I don't judge them because I don't know how they feel and what allowed their brain to do that. I couldn't physically do it. Thus, I can't understand it. doesn't mean we shouldn't lock them up because they're a danger to society. I just don't judge them. I don't know. I'm neutral. I'm not pro them. I'm not anti them. I can't understand what goes through their brain. Thus, I'm not going to judge them. And judgment is one of the things that people do all the time. And people always go like, I'm a jerk. It's like, why? Because I told you your company stinks. Well, in my head, I'm giving you advice. I'm not going to mince the words. I'm going to tell you the truth because that's what to me respect is. Respect is giving you the truth to know how I actually feel when you ask an opinion. If you don't want to know the truth, don't ask. But if you call me and you want to schedule time, then be prepared that it might tell you it sucks. I'm not doing it to be vindictive. I'm doing this to help you. And if you don't want to hear it, don't ask. 
I love that. That reminds me of a friend of mine who says everybody thinks they want feedback, but they actually want praise instead. I want feedback, and I mean it. I have no problem with anyone giving me feedback. If I know it comes from a good place, doesn't mean my ego won't for five minutes pounce out and, and argue or you know feel like I have to answer every little point. But the next day, I can realize and go, that person was right or that person was wrong. And that's one of the few things people don't realize about me is my self-awareness. I know I'm not an operator. I know I'm not a CEO. I know that I'm not detailed. I know my flaws better than I know my strengths. And that's my superpower. If you had to ask me what my true superpower was, it was I know my flaws. I know what I'm good at and I know what I need around me to start a company that's going to work and what's going to fail. Because I know what I can do. I know my strengths. I always tell operators around me, it's like, you play defense, I'm a hammer. I go bang nails, sometimes I bang my finger. And then we got to play some defense there. Like, it'll happen. Like, I'll get the Paul Graham email saying, never email me again, go get lost, or the cease and desist from whatever. It's like, it happens. But at the end of the day, you guys got to play that defense. It's like, I'm just going to go keep hammering. And I don't stop. That's just a self-realization. And a lot of the times, the people in my position want to be CEOs because it's an ego thing. And I just don't have it. I have zero ego. I really don't have an ego in it. I just do what I think is best for the project. And I try to just strip that away and go for what I'm good at. The other funny thing is I, I'm so random with shit. I got to send you some pictures. Like, but I have like pictures of Elon Musk's mom, like wrapping up my dinner. Like she wouldn't let me throw out food. So whenever we used to go out for dinner, she would like wrap it up. I used to joke about it. She's like, you should bring it home. I'm like, I'm not wrapping up like the four noodles left on the plate. She'd be like, I will. And she'd literally go and do it. So I have like the funniest photos of like random celebrities and random stuff that like could illustrate something. And obviously it's Musk. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I love about Mike is I think for many people, work is work. It's a four letter word for many people. You know, life is a struggle. My sense is that you are having the time of your life. People try to box things too much. I, I don't know if I'm having the time of my life from just doing me. You know, I'm comfortable. I'm good at it. And honestly, like I get to support my brothers that can't afford it. I get to help like people. My brother's a rabbi, can't afford it. Like I get to support people that I love. I don't spend a lot of money. Like I wear literally a pair of shorts every day and a baseball jersey. Like I don't care. I have 18 pairs of Louis Vuittons that I've given away. Like I don't care. I like would rather walk out in my underwear than walk out in a $5,000 suit. Like I'm the only person that's ever gone to meet with the president in like a hoodie in the White House. <laughs> and it's not trying to be disrespectful to him. It's not that I'm better. It's just like, I don't want to pretend to be someone I'm not. I don't think I'm anything other than someone who questions the status quo and doesn't take anything for granted and just thinks for himself. Like I'm a true free thinker and I, I don't care what side I'm on. I, I don't subscribe to that. I, I subscribe to whether or not can I live with myself that night. And when I can't, I apologize. When I can, I don't care what other people tell me to do. I'll never apologize to someone else telling me I have to unless I think I'm wrong. Ever. Yeah, I think it's disingenuous and it's how you get yourself into trouble because they apologize for fake and they can't go back and say, oh, wait, like my apology was actually a lie. So you can't do that. So you, you just lock yourself in. That's the way people react on Twitter. I never apologize. In fact, if you look at my LinkedIn, there's a big influencer that called me a certified asshole. My LinkedIn banner is that article of her calling me a certified asshole because I don't care. I love that. Like I just do what I think is right. It's my profile right now. If you look at it, my LinkedIn bio is it's hilarious it's like i just have fun with it people get mad and i don't care because i believe i'm doing the right thing it says don't wish me luck that's for people without skill knighted as a certified asshole by nessa barrett titled the most mysterious obnoxious interesting human to ever walk the world by dave portnoy it's fantastic the header on the linkedin is nessa barrett exposes michael gruen on bfs podcast tiktok star calls him a certified asshole that's my headline and my pronouns are him and himothy Himothy means like him. He's like the one, like the chosen one. 
just kind of was like a Gen Z like phrase that went viral. And then on Twitter, my cover photo is an email from Paul Graham that says, please never email me again. <laughs> and I just don't care. And by the way, Sam Altman has been a friend of mine for like six, seven years, and he loves me because I wrote him a poem the other day called Green Eggs and Steak because we're both Jewish. That was what I called it. That's a fabulous insight, and I really have enjoyed our conversation. You have conveyed an enormous amount of wisdom and an extraordinarily short amount of time, which is why I wanted you on the podcast. And Michael, thank you so much for being part of this. This has been the Pfeffer on Power podcast. We are available on Spotify, Apple, on pfefferonpower.com. Today, we have been talking with the amazing and insightful Michael Gruen, who is a social influencer. He started companies. He is a prodigy in a thousand different ways. Thank you, Michael, for being with us today. Professor, your words are humbling. Thank you for having me on. 